so many businesses I've spoken to, they say, oh, you know, I want to educate and I want to convert the masses. And you just say, well, do you know the best way to convert the masses? It's one step at a time and it's a waterfall, it's a trickle down. And it trickles down from the people that are already aligned with what you believe. And so that's where a brand can become really valuable in helping with resonance, relevance, and being able to attract that tribe that will go out and be a brand ambassador for your brand. And then it will trickle down. This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. Lots of people have the mistaken belief that branding is simply about the name of your company and your logo. But it's much bigger and much more important than that. Get branding right, and you can attract a tribe, grow your business, and even change the world. That's why I'm so pleased I got to speak to Louise Graham. She spent her entire career in branding and marketing. In this episode, Louise brings branding to life with some great stories and some practical tips. And Louise has very kindly made available a version of her branding questionnaire to help you start thinking about your brand that you can get at theideaslab.org forward slash Louise Graham. Welcome, Louise. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. Now, you've been in branding and marketing for pretty much your whole career. And I want to explore what this really means, because there's a lot of people talking about branding these days. It seems to be a hot topic. Uh, However, I think the general public don't have much of a concept of what it is. And so I work with lots of people at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey. I think they have some mistaken beliefs about brand. They think a brand is what your company is called and what your logo looks like. But that's not really that's not really a brand, or that's not certainly not the whole brand. How would you define it? How would you think of it? I would say that uh, branding really is about developing a character and um, a, a, a set of characteristics and attraction points, basically, for the type of audience that you want to market to. So your brand is a set of values, a set of characteristics, a set of behaviors. Um, And then, you know, there's the appearance of your brand, the colors, the shapes, the font sizes, all those kind of things. But it all has to start with, okay, why does our brand exist in the first place? Um, And it's an opportunity really to build a character. Right. So to build a character, so a bit like your brand for your company or your campaign or whatever it is or you know your organization is a bit like a person so they have characteristics how do you go about starting to think about that because i think a lot of people get out there and they start doing work and maybe they're you know i work with a lot of people who are like uh, consultants and freelancers and stuff and then they want to create a brand uh, around them or or uh, they begin to realize the value of doing that um because then they can differentiate themselves but how do you start that process if you've just been doing the work already and it's just you? Yeah, I think it's quite difficult, actually. Um, I mean, when I do this process with my clients, I take them through an initial brand questionnaire uh, in which I ask lots of kind of probing questions, which is um, why does your brand exist in the first place? 
why why are you in business what motivates you to be in this business what impact and change do you want to make with this business um what inspired you where did the idea come from um who do you think is going to be the target audience for this business so basically it all starts with making a set of assumptions so this brand questionnaire of yours sounds really cool and you've offered to give a version of it to listen to the podcast for free so you can find that at the ideaslab.org slash louise graham and i really like it's got some great questions in but give us an example of one of them yeah so one of the questions is you know if you were describing your business and your brand to a five-year-old uh how would you how would you write it basically um which is really key because it means that you have to really simplify it there is no ands and buts and imagine this and uh it's you know, there's no jargon or anything like that. It just does what it says on the tin. Um, so, so that's a really good exercise to be able to kind of challenge your brain to think a little bit differently around how you might describe your business at a more simplified level. And then saying, okay, so what else is out there and how can you be, How? what is your point of differentiation from what is already out there? And what's really amazing about building a brand is that literally you could be anything like it's almost like you know being being able to kind of birth a a person by design like a brand a brand by design you can be anything you know um and ultimately your brand its job is to improve the lives of the customers that the brand is serving or to change or create transformation or um in the world in some sort of way um I remember being um actually hosting a panel event um with a set of um, well the founders Paul Lindley actually from Ella's Kitchen um and um I think it's Mark Charleston from um a large design agency uh marketing advertising agency and you know what he said is that actually a brand's job is to help the individual become more of who they are as a person. Ah, so when you brand yourself, it's helping you to become more, 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 what was it? <laughs> the, the brand's job is to help your customer become more of who they believe they are as a person. That's a really important point. And that fits with this, this um, book I'm really keen on called the culting of brands. And what it says, the key point in there, I was talking about this on my Pioneer program with the participants. Um, the, people think that when you join a cult, you give up your personality. So we look at people who join the Harry Krishnas and we think they've gone crazy. And we look at people who are Apple fanboys and we think that, you know, they've become kind of, they've been uh, brainwashed or something. But in actual fact, the people who join those cults feel like they're expressing more of themselves so the Hare Krishna people feel like they finally found people who share their spiritual values and they get to express their spirituality and the Apple uh, fanboys and fangirls feel like they're finally expressing their passion for beauty and design and the cutting edge of technology or whatever it is that they see in Apple I think that's a really important point oh absolutely because um you know, you've heard of the concept of building a tribe. Yeah. Well, your brand attracts a tribe. So it's understanding, okay, so what are the characteristics 
And um, if you were designing that tribe, what does that tribe look like? What, what are their characteristics? What values? What worldviews do these people hold? And then how do you bring them together? How do you um, bring them into community together? Um, and, you know, from what we know of customers and consumers is that they like their, their, um, they like their worldview to be upheld. So if they carry a worldview, for instance, that if they buy Ella's Kitchen, because we used that example earlier, but if they buy Ella's Kitchen uh, baby food for their baby, that that makes them a better mother if they choose that over another brand. So therefore, Ella's Kitchen's job is to basically make that mum feel like they're a better mother through purchasing that brand so it's about reinforcing reinforcing their worldviews um and making them feel like as if they were right to choose those worldviews and that they're right to live in this way and that living in this way is the right decision and all of those kind of things and so people will always look to reinforce what they believe and it's the job of the brand to do that. And people running campaigns forget this because they think their job is to convert people. It's actually really hard to do that. The better thing to do is you build a tribe of people who are already on your wavelength. And in fact, this is the same for books. So I'm always telling people on my bestseller mentorship program that um, you, you're not trying to convert anybody. No one's going to, it's very few people read a book because it completely disagrees with them. They want to be challenged. Mostly they want something that's going to affirm and extend and, and, and draw out what they already believe. And then what, what you're going to do if you do that well is you'll create a tribe around you who will then start to, uh, you know, suck in other people and they will start to convert their friends and family and that people will start to come around. This is how we see political movements take shape. And, uh, and that's why you'll see whole political campaigns on TV run for the people who are already going to vote for that party, but it gives them ammunition that they can share with other people who go, oh, wow, is that really what the Tories have been doing? Oh, my God, maybe I shouldn't vote for them, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that, that's huge. I mean, so many uh, businesses I've spoken to, they say, oh, you know, I want to educate and I want to convert the masses. And you just say, well, do you know the best way to convert the masses is it's one step at a time and it's a waterfall, it's a trickle down and it trickles down from the people that are already aligned with what you believe. And so that's where when you, um, that's where a brand can become um, really valuable, well thought through brands can become really, really valuable in helping with resonance, uh, relevance and being able to attract that tribe that will go out and be a brand ambassador for your brand and then it will trickle down and the people that are not so much already on that worldview plane will start to see the change in the people around them and may start to think maybe there's something I'm missing here but it's it's a far there's your the time from a business owner is far better being invested in nurturing people who are already aligned with the same values and belief systems as a brand than trying to convert at a lower level. Um, I I watched this really interesting, actually I read this really interesting article and it just kind of hit the nail on the head for me, but um, 
a vegan movement decided that what they wanted to do was to really put some shock factor and encourage meat eaters to really be shocked into uh, understanding that they shouldn't be eating meat. And so they stormed into a barbecue restaurant somewhere in America with um, ghetto blasters playing animal slaughter noises to people that were sitting eating steaks, right? <laughs> and, um, and they thought, this is going to be amazing because as soon as they hear those animal slaughter sounds, they're going to be really ashamed. They're going to want to put down what they're eating and they're going to want to listen. But the meat eaters basically ordered more steak they all got together and joined and sang a song about how much they love meat together. <laughs> um, because they didn't want, they, they're, not, they're, they're not in the market to have their views changed. They enjoy eating meat. And so the vegan movement just completely drowned out by these meat eaters. And, you know, and they thought we go in with animal slaughter noises, that would really shock them into submission. And it didn't. It had the complete opposite effect. People don't like to be shamed for what they believe. And that's the, that's the key thing. You know, they don't, they don't um, education doesn't so much come necessarily directly from the brand. It comes from that trickle down effect, which, which we've just said, you know, it comes from that uh, change one person at a time kind of idea. And, and, and I think that works because um, possibly more effective is that veganism is being talked about more and more. It's starting to spread into the mainstream. You know, we met in Bali originally, and there's some great vegan restaurants in Bali. And I went to a restaurant there, and I'm I'm quite a meat eater. And it was just so damn tasty. I thought, wow, this is fantastic. It became a regular place for me. That's much more likely to at least start to lessen my dependency on meat than than somebody coming and doing something like that, uh, you know, attack with sound. But, uh, but interesting, there's that research, isn't there? That if you take somebody who's got a, a strong belief, which could be completely unfounded, like they believe in some crazy conspiracy like the Flat Earthers or something, and you show them evidence to the contrary, there's actually uh, research that shows that hardens their beliefs. So they will just they will just like discount anything that goes against them. Anything that harms our harms our belief systems affects the ego, and we know that the ego doesn't doesn't like to be told anything that's different from what the ego believes. So yes, uh, yeah, that's a good point. And in fact, a lot of brands. Uh, well, I, I think a key part. I was reading in in um, uh, in Seth Godin's most recent book. This is marketing. He says that all purchases, uh, at least he said almost all purchases are made in order to either sustain or increase someone's status. And I think that idea of being aspirational is central to a brand, isn't it? But what what's your take on that? And how do you create an aspirational brand? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really exciting. I mean, I, I get really excited about building brands um, because, yeah, then you can do really amazing aspirational things, you know, if you think about you as a person and all the things that you want to achieve as a person, but all the challenges that you have, you can build a brand that is anything that you want that brand to be. So um, aspirational is about how that brand behaves and what that brand um, is doing outside of 
doing the direct marketing, for instance. So, um, you know, if you are some sort of social movement and you're building a brand around that, then how much time are you giving outside of what you're doing marketing to actually being a campaigner for the cause that you that you use for why the brand exists in the first place? That's what's aspirational. You know, you've got brands like Patagonia, for instance, that um, they're doing really aspirational brand-led marketing and campaigns um, that, you know, for them, their mission for improving the planet has always been a higher priority than selling clothes. It just so happens that they're on a mission to save the planet and they sell jackets. Um, and I think it's that and thing that's really quite interesting, actually, because I think that, um, you know, I speak to so many different uh, impact entrepreneurs and they say, you know, I'm selling um, handmade dolls and every handmade doll goes towards a child. Like one handmade doll goes to another child in need in a, in a third world country or something like that. And they put the product first in the pitch rather than saying like we're a brand that supports children in developing countries. And the way in which we do that is we make handmade dolls. So there's the and part of this yes so be, you might be better off leading with something that says you know we believe that every child in the world has a right to play and that's actually a much more powerful statement and and i think and i'm really really fascinated when brands really go out there and do something that seems like this is nothing to do with the product but but you realize it gets so much press and it works so well i mean you were talking you mentioned earlier there's a heineken example what was that advert you saw that was uh, really good? Yeah, there was a Heineken example, and it doesn't really, I don't really have too many memories of the actual detail of it. There's another example that I think could be a good one to share with you that I, I do have a bit more knowledge of. Um, and about, I think it was maybe a year or two years ago, um, Lacoste, the, uh, the polo shirt brand, um, they partnered with an endangered species charity. And they obviously, you know, from what we know about Lacoste, if we look at Lacoste as a brand, most men, women might own a Lacoste polo shirt, but they might only own one. Um, And Lacoste are only really known for their polo shirts and not really known for anything else. So, you know, there needed to be some sort of reinvention with the brand in order to encourage people back in and re-engage their market, etc., so what they decided to do was to remove the crocodile on their polo shirt and replace the crocodile with um, 12 endangered species uh, animal logos. And then what they did is they then created the exact number of polo shirts for the exact number of endangered species left in, in the world. And then they sold those on limited edition. And... From recollection, I think that they sold out in but less than a month, basically, um, because you would never ever again have a Lacoste polo shirt with a with like um, with a turtle on it, for instance, or um, I can't remember what other endangered uh, species there were, but um, I remember the turtle one. So. Um, yeah, and then it just sold out. But not only that, they were then able to attract a whole new audience. They were then able to attract the audience that believe in animal conservation 
and um, environmental causes and all of those kind of things. So they were then able to open up their brand to a whole new set of customers. And I just find that that was fascinating. I just thought that's really, really, really clever. Plus, um, they were raising a lot of money for uh, a really important concern. Um, so they, they did a lot, they raised a lot of money. And at the same time, they raised a lot of awareness, you know? So the fact that actually somebody could really witness um, the true extent of the endangered species by the fact that, you know, Lacoste polo shirts are gone. That's when that's when the animal is gone. I love that. And I think it also gives a natural end to the campaign. So, you know, at some point, it you know, you don't have to make a reason, make an excuse why you've discontinued that shirt. It's like it's part of the deal. And it is very shocking suddenly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how many, there's only that many turtles or whatever it is uh, around in the world, you know, particular turtles. So I think that's a great one. And so if we're starting to create our own brand, where do we start? What's a, what's a good, fir- is there a good first question, for instance, to ask ourselves? Yeah, so start with why. Simon Sinek really nailed it. <laughs> Simon Sinek, yeah, start with why. So what's the, what's the reason? So I talk about it in my uh, Pioneer Program thing where um, what's your vision of the world if it was working correctly? And then say, you know, come with me and let's all do it together. Is that a kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah. And then the other caveat that I would make with that is that um, on the start with why, when entrepreneurs are doing this themselves and they write down their why, they think that that why is good enough. But actually, in most cases, it's too broad. So it's important that their why is authentic to their why. <laughs> um but it's also important that their why is relevant and resonant to the people that they want to serve most. So yeah. then the next question is, is, okay, so how do I get to a why that can be uniquely owned by you? So this why isn't shared by 100,000 other, um, 100, other entrepreneurs doing exactly the same thing. So if your why is to um, help people in the world that are stressed, for instance, that's too broad a why because you can that that that's not that is not a unique to you. So okay, so let's drill down on that. And then so there's the five why process, which is asking why five times to get to the real root of why is that important? Okay, and so why does that matter? Okay, and then so why and then why again? And then you should get to something that's more defined at the root. Another question that I like to ask, um, and again, I put this in my brand questionnaire, is I say, if you had only one opportunity in your in your lifetime to stand on a TED stage and have 20 minutes in front of a global audience, what's the one message that you think is the most important message that you could share, something that you know that lots of others don't know but they should know um and then so basically that can really help you distill exactly what it is that you care about within that broad initial response of why and then um uh i i liked the thing that you said because we so we had a session when we talked about my brand for the ideas lab which was really interesting and 
a couple of things I took away from that is is you kept saying like, you know, you have a certain following now, and and but it it has to revolve around who your ideal person is and who your ideal client is. You build a brand around that. Then that was really really important. And I think because we're always you know compromising, say, well, I don't, want, I shouldn't exclude this person or that person. But you were you kept bringing me back to no, no, this is the ideal we're shooting for. And then the other thing also is the example you gave of um, the Mankind Project. So we looked at a couple of brands that you thought, here's some things to look at. And one was Citizen M, the hotel, which I thought was really funky and was, you know, a good model for my brand in terms of their brand values. Might not be for other people because it all depends what your brand values are. Mine are sort of about creativity and innovation and uh, being human and kind of as an informality to the Ideas Lab um, and their very uh, directness about it. Um, so that was interesting, but also you pointed at the Mankind Project website where it says at the bottom, we believe dot, dot, dot. I mean, there's like three or four beliefs we believe. And it's a, it's basically a self-development course for men. And it says things like, you know, men should be able to express whatever version of masculinity or should not be constrained by standard versions of masculinity or something like that. And, and that men should be able to blah, blah, blah. And I think that's a really, you were saying that that's basically a good exercise for anyone to say, if you were going to do the same thing and declare, I believe dot, 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 or we believe dot, 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 that's a really good thing. I'm sure, you know, for the brands we really know, like Patagonia, we could probably say, we could guess what those are if they're not written on the website, because Patagonia believes in saving the, the natural environment. And when they, uh, President Trump gave a massive tax cut, um, to corporations, they took all of that tax cut and they gave it to, I think it was the national parks in America or something like that, but some cause like that, which was uh, also a bit of a political statement as well, but they're willing to do that because their target market is not going to be outraged by it. You know, so that will offend some people and that will, but not the people who are going to buy from them anyway. Well, that, that's true. It comes back to, you know, what we were, what we were talking about with the vegan movement, for instance. Like, it's when you're building a brand, um, it's important to know who you're for and who you're not for. All right? So Patagonia know that they're not for Trump supporters, for instance. So they make really strong uh, beliefs. That They make really strong statements. You know, they had a whole um, anti-Trump campaign. It's the first brand I've ever seen that's done anything like that. But they can because their audience, they know, is like primarily is anti-Trump. And that's what they want to see. They want to see that from that brand. And so it's knowing who you're for and who you're not for. And that comes back to when you're building up. There's so many different layers of complexity to the brand. Um, And, you know, so we'll come back to the belief statements because they're really important as well. But. Yeah, knowing who you're for and who you're not for and being really clear. For instance, um, a really great example that I saw recently of Burning Man. Um, so Burning Man was set on, um, was founded on a set of really strong values and principles of who could come to Burning Man and the type of character that they wanted to be at Burning Man and how they wanted people to experience themselves and the, and the experience in itself as well. Burning Man, as you know, has grown massive. It's huge now. And it's attracting a lot of um, celebrity Instagrammers, influencers that don't necessarily uphold some of the original founding values of the Burning Man concept. 
because it's become yeah. a fashionable place to be. And um, Burning Man, for the last few years, has had a camp which is basically a millionaire camp. Um, and to be a part of that camp at, Billionaire, at, at, at Burning Man, it costs hundreds of thousands to be there. And for the last year, Burning Man has been receiving complaints about the camp, that particular camp, taking liberties and not really um, sort of joining in in the community vibe. Now, any other organisation, for instance, that is receiving that sort of level of income might turn a blind eye and say, well, we are for everyone. But the CEO of Burning Man came out and said, we've evicted the millionaire camp. We've asked them to leave because they do not align with our founding principles and we don't want them here. The Burning Man is not for them. And then what they did is they then basically launched at the same time uh, um, an assisted uh, ticket for people who are financially unable to basically pay for a ticket to come to Burning Man because... That is their view, you know. So they said, okay, well, this is who we are for and this is who we are not for. And they just made it really clear. And then so their loyalty amongst their, you know, their existing customers, they start to win back loyalty from their existing customers again. And they start to develop stronger relationships and things because some of those customers are starting to see Burning Man become a little, like, become a bit um, immoral, basically, on their founding yeah. values. So. To be a sellout, yeah. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah. No, good on them. And, and, and because when you, if you do destroy that, then what, what tends to happen is there's a cash-in period, right, where you make a lot of money. So you, make, you take the millionaire camp money for a while, and then what you find is a few years later, there's no soul left to Burning Man. Now, no one wants to go, and the millionaires move elsewhere. Whereas if you if you actually stick to your values, then over a long game, uh, it works out. So uh, I think that's really interesting. Now, you're now doing something a little bit different, aren't you? Aside from the branding, you're doing this um, this new venture of Breakthrough with Louise. Do you want to explain what that is? Sure. So, um, you know, for the last 13 years, I've worked in marketing. I'm an award-winning marketer. I've built creative campaigns for small to medium-sized businesses. Um, I've worked uh, doing kind of large creative campaigns for bigger brands. Recently, I've been working one-to-one with uh, startups building their brand from the from the grassroots, basically, from the point of no name to uh, developing and, and building brands and launching products to market. Alongside that, I have been spending a lot of my sort of spare time developing myself and doing a lot of personal growth and self-development and um, I graduated from the Hoffman process in 2017 and I really have a love for the the, the side of me that I uh, really enjoys and is inspired by positive psychology, personal growth and self-development and uh, earlier this year I kind of said okay how can I put the two together and what's the thread between them and I realized that um where I really light up is in the world of change and transformation. And then that was sort of cemented even further when I read Seth's Gordon book earlier uh, last year as well, This is Marketing, when he said, you know, actually a marketeer's job is to create change. 
you know, the original uh, concept, the old-fashioned concept of a marketeer is to sell things and to promote, but actually a marketeer's job is to create change. Um, and so Breakthrough of Louise came from a pilot that I just sort of tried and tested with a few um, founders who I said to them, Do you know, I believe that there's opportunity to be found in every challenge. Um, I also believe in the power of uh, great ideas that exist to change the world and make the world a better place and to support people in the world to become better versions of themselves. Um, and so working with that group of audience based on their challenge and their struggle, I sort of piloted a concept, which I was at, the, at that point in time calling solution-based coaching, um, where I ask a series of really kind of deep, provocative questions to get to the real heart of what's really going on behind the challenge. Um, and on one of the calls, I was working with a woman, an entrepreneur who she has a yoga brand, a sustainable yoga brand, Yoga Wear. And at the end of it, uh, she said, I'm dancing around the room. I am ecstatic. I've been so disconnected from my business. I've not known which way to turn. I've been at crossroads. I've not known how to develop the brand. And I now know exactly what I'm going to do. This has been an absolute breakthrough. And then so Breakthrough of Louise was coined. Um, and essentially what Breakthrough of Louise is, is it's a 90-minute session in which I work on a challenge, um, limitation or a decision that needs to be made. Um, and I work sort of asking deeper questions, listening to the response, asking another question. And then once we've kind of got closer to understanding more about what's really in the heart of that entrepreneur, um, then maybe bringing in some examples or some strategies and some solutions and things like that. So um, kind of main challenges that I experience with entrepreneurs and the breakthrough are, you know, sort of how do I position my business? How do I know what my why is? Like, how do I communicate it? Um, how do I build a community? Why is what I'm doing not working? Um what's this thing about building a tribe and how do I do it? But also, um, you know, I worked with an entrepreneur in, in LA recently who uh, has a, a number of investors and she was feeling there was some childhood fears coming up for her around asking for investment with her business. And so I work around mindset as well. Um, and it always seems that the original challenge, that there's another challenge beneath that, and then there's another challenge beneath that. And it's actually about getting to the root challenge that then helps us get to the solution versus finding the solution for the original challenge. So it's really enjoyable, and I'm doing that right now. So, um, yeah. So where can we find out more about everything you do, including the breakthrough with Louise? Yeah, sure. So on my website, uh, me. And you're also on Facebook, aren't you? So if they search for Breakthrough of Louise, you've got a Facebook page. That's right, yeah. And uh, people who actually take a Breakthrough of Louise session and, and pay for that, then they you also offer them uh, a place in your Facebook group. Is that That's right? right? Yeah, in a private Facebook community, yeah. It's kind of your uh, Breakthrough of Louise Mastermind group. Now, what's really cool is that you very kindly offered to give a listener to this podcast a free Breakthrough with Louise session, which is 90 minutes. This is powerful stuff because I've experienced it myself. And normally, you know, big companies pay you 
rob a lot of money for your time. So this is a fantastic offer. And um, uh, we've set it up on the Ideas Lab website. So if you go to theideaslab.org forward slash Louise Graham, then you can find the entry form and all you need to do is enter your name and email and uh, Louise will choose a winner at the end at random and you'll get to do Breakthrough with Louise. So that's really cool. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, great. You're welcome. All right. Cheers, Louise. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.